If you believe in God for greater things, would you give him a shout of praise? I think this Pentecostal church ought to just lift up the name of Jesus. Remain standing. I want to go directly into the word of the Lord this morning. In fact, the word of the Lord comes to us from the book of 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse number 3. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 3. We thank God for his presence and what he's doing in this place. And we're believing God for greater things. The word of the Lord comes beginning at verse 3. Paul is writing to young Timothy and says, I thank God whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance that thou stir up the gift of God, which is in thee by the putting on of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God who hath saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher and an apostle and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. And with God's help this morning, I want to preach from this subject, remember what you have. 
Come on, just tell somebody near you, remember what you have. Amen. Father, I thank you for your anointing. I pray that you would let every chain be broken. That the gifts of the Spirit would be in operation. That you would confirm your word with signs following. And for every person that asks for the Holy Ghost today, I pray the windows of heaven would be open. And they would receive today and be born again of water and spirit. And everybody said amen. amen. As you're seated, just tell your neighbor, remember what you have. I was so directed to read this week 1st and 2nd Timothy. In fact, I got to reading the writings of Paul in such a way that this man had such an apostolic authority that when he wrote, he didn't play. He didn't play with anyone. We, we like to say, well, Jesus is our model for being a pastor. No, Jesus came to die for the sins of the world, but the model he left us in Scripture was Paul. Because Paul was that apostolic authority that set things in order. And he contended for the faith. And when someone was a little shaky on what they believed, he was very direct with them. In the writings of 1st and 2nd Timothy, Paul is speaking to his son in the gospel. He is speaking to young Timothy which has some challenges because Timothy is young. There are those in the church that don't respect him because of Timothy's genealogy. There were others that distanced themselves from him. And Timothy, having the heart of God, was timid in some scenarios. And Paul just called that thing in check to tell him, My son, I want you to be strong and bold in the things of God. As I read this passage, 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy, my heart was thrilled because I realized that what was in Timothy was an impartation of God. That Timothy had been filled with the Holy Ghost and that hands had been laid upon him. He had been ordained into the ministry and a gift had been imparted to him. I was filled with the Holy Ghost at probably the age of seven or so years old. I was baptized the same night. My home church was a church in South Bend, Indiana called Christ Temple Apostolic Church. My father was evangelizing on that night, and I remember the assistant pastor was preaching. He was a good man. I began to pray as the choir sung, and the Holy Ghost fell on me. And they took me because when the Holy Ghost fell on me, I, I just didn't stop. Nobody taught me how to do it. It just fell on me. And they took me. I remember one of the ushers, one of the ushers, Brother Silvers. He's gone to meet his reward, but he was an older man then. He took me out and took me down into that basement, into what we called the prayer room. It was a long room with chairs along the wall, old wooden chairs. And as a little seven-year-old boy, I was trembling under the power of the Holy Ghost. I was speaking in other tongues as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. I didn't make that up. God came on me at that point. 
For over an hour, I paced up and down that prayer room, speaking in tongues. The service went on. I don't know what they preached about that night because I wasn't in the preaching portion of the service. It just so happened that I continued to pray and they let me pray. But when I finished praying and the service was ending, they brought me back in that little church building and they took me, they took me, I began to talk to me about the next step. They said, son, do you want to wait until your father comes back so that he could baptize you? I said, no, sir, because I had been taught that when you know what to do, you don't need to wait another day, but you need to do it then. And I had been taught that you must be born again of water and spirit. And so I said, I want to be baptized tonight. In fact, they took me to the water of baptism. I have a picture. I'd like to go back into my photo album and find it again. Of a little seven-year-old boy with his hair busted down one side, long bangs coming out of the water. I was baptized in the only saving name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm 52 years old and I have been called into the ministry by God. I have spent my life preaching the name of Jesus. I'm not here to worry about what anyone else does, but I have a call to bring the name of Jesus into this community and preach you must be born again of water and spirit. That what God did in me at the age of seven, that he also did in many of your lives. I see the Lawsons who have been serving God probably longer than I've been alive. And I honor them and many other elders, the Phoebuses, who know what it's like to hear the gospel message preached and to repent of their sins. Folks, if you don't repent of your sins, you don't even need to be in pursuit of an infilling of the Holy Ghost because you must first repent of your old man and then have faith to believe in the gospel. The gospel which is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have not obeyed the gospel, then you cannot be born again. There is only one gospel. There is only one way. Jesus is the way. He's the truth and he's the life. And so I've committed myself to preaching the gospel. At the age of 52, something that begins to go through my mind is the fact that should the day come and God tarries, that I'm going to have to take what I know and give it to someone else so that they with youth and strength can preach and declare this same truth that I've been handed, that's been handed down from generation to generation, this truth of the gospel. In fact, it's so precious to us in our family that my grandfather, Carl Ballesterol, whom I'm named after, he did not have a spotless life. In fact, he ran in the Spanish gangs in L.A. His mother, his father was, went to prison for bootlegging whiskey. He was on the LAPD. He was corrupt back then. His mother died at the age of two. They were Catholic, and her, her prayer was, Lord, make my son a priest. 
When he got older, though he was running in the gangs, God continued to deal with his heart. He said he would just get on trains going to nowhere, probably what some people call a hobo. Just get on a train. But he said when he'd be on the train just running to nowhere, he said he would lay there through the night, and he remembers being on one train, and the wheel was off a little bit. And he sounded like clickety-clack, clickety-clack. You got to get right with God. You got to get right with God. He said that he was hitchhiking down a road and an old car pulled up. He got into the front seat and there were a few little ladies in the back seat. And the man driving the car said to him, son, do you know Jesus? He said, well, no, sir, but I would like to. And he said, I heard the three little ladies in the back seat speaking in tongues. And I said, sir, would you just stop right here? This is where I need to get off. He said, I jumped out of the car and sat on the corner and cried until the sun went down. He lived a life of crime. And when he received the Holy Ghost under the ministry of Charles Price, he said it was one of those nights where a lady actually sat on his chest and said, you're not leaving until you get the Holy Ghost. On his way home, he knew that he had been breaking into homes. And he went and turned himself into the police. And he ended up going to prison. He spent several years in San Quentin prison. He said, when I walked through the doors, he's now filled with the Holy Ghost. He said, I saw all the guys that I'd done crime with. And I, he said, I determined to have nothing to do with them. We went to school. We went to juvenile together. Now we're in prison together. But I ended up in the cell of a backslidden Pentecostal. And he received a track about Jesus named baptism. He read it and said, Carl, I don't want this. And he threw it to me. He said, I began to read it and got the revelation of Jesus' name from a track. When I got out, I began to walk and look at churches. And it took me two years to find a church that would baptize me in the name of Jesus, just like they did in the book of Acts. And somewhere in the city of Oregon, he found a little church where he met my grandmother because her uncle was the pastor, Andrew Baker, and he was baptized in the name of Jesus. I want you to know that what God has done in many of us, in many of us, it's first generation, and we have to be mindful of passing it on. But for some of us, it's been from generation to generation. And I refuse to let what God started in me take another path or go another direction. For there's only one Lord, one faith, and one baptism. I so appreciate the strong preaching and teaching that happened in this pulpit on Sunday and Wednesday. This church has been birthed by the power, under the power and authority of the name of Jesus. And today I want to come and impart to you that not only do we need to remember who we are, but we need to acknowledge and remember what we have. Because we have in us a treasure. It's a treasure in earthen vessels. God did not put it in perfection, but he put it in an earthen vessel that the excellency of the Spirit may be of him and not you. That it's not because of my good works. It is not because of my ability. It is not even because of my genealogy, but it's because I heard the gospel and I obeyed the gospel and I decided that I want to go with Jesus 
and I want to go with him all the way. For when Paul began to write 1st and 2nd Timothy, you could read it probably in an hour if you would sit down this week and slowly read through these two books. When you began to write it, read it, I want you to acknowledge the fact that this is an older man who is writing to a younger man who he is encouraging in to the ministry. And Paul begins to write. As he writes, I am mindful of three kingdom relationships that Paul experienced. When I looked at Paul's life, I found that Paul had a Barnabas in his life. Acts chapter 9, verses 26 and 27 say that after Paul was confronted on the Damascus road, and he said, who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. That this same man that had killed Christians was converted to the faith. I love that because God didn't let him off easy. I imagine there were some Christians that would have loved for him to be killed. But God said, even though you've had the worst of backgrounds, I'm going to take you and use you for the very best of my kingdom. I'm speaking to somebody here today that you feel like your past has disqualified you. But it might be that the unqualified are being qualified because when God puts the endorsement on you by the power of the Holy Ghost, it is not by might nor is it by power, but it is by the Spirit of God. And somebody needs to just submit to it and say, God, I don't feel equipped. I don't have everything that I think I need. But if you've called me, I will do what you've called me to do. I will be who you've called me to be. I will go where you've called me to go. Somebody needs to submit themselves to the Lord. Paul had a Barnabas. And while others wanted to put him out of the church and not receive him, Barnabas said, no, God's worked on him. Barnabas was the one who had spiritual authority in the kingdom. He had authority to speak to Paul and had the authority to speak for Paul. He had spiritual authority. And all of us need a Barnabas in our life. For Barnabas is an encourager. Barnabas is somebody who's been around for a while. Because if all of our relationships are just horizontal, if it's just me and my peers trying to figure it out, I'd be a little concerned that I didn't have some accountability in my life. I've had elders in my life that have called me into question and said, no, don't worry about that. Don't do that. I think you're being too sensitive there. No, that's not correct. All of us need elders in our life that will bring us into accountability. Stop worrying about the elder controlling your life. If he's a real man of God, he's not trying to control your life. He's trying to mature your life. He wants you to grow up in the grace and knowledge of God. And if he gets off track, God will take care of him. But you just keep your eyes on Jesus. And you keep your faith in him because all of us need a Barnabas in our life. I have men today that are older than me in the spirit. Men that can speak into my life and they can call me into question. And I've submitted myself to their authority. We all need a vertical relationship of Barnabas. But then Paul also had a Silas. You read about Silas in the book of Acts. 
He was the one that went with Paul when he went to preaching in the marketplace. I can imagine that Silas, at times when Paul got to preaching, I wondered if there were times when he just kind of wanted him to shut up a little bit. Because, you know, we got thrown in jail the last time because of your preaching style. And now you, that wasn't enough for you. You got to go back to preaching again. A Silas is somebody that will be your friend through adversity and even go to jail with you. But while you're in jail, they won't give up hope. They'll sing with you at midnight and they'll pray until you get a breakthrough and everyone around you. So all of us need that second dimension of Silas in our life. But this third dimension that Paul is really addressing here in 2 Timothy is that relationship of a mentor and a mentee. That's what we call it in today's language. Somebody who will disciple someone else in the faith. And so Paul was speaking into young Timothy's life. He was speaking to him, giving him encouragement and pouring truth into him. If you really follow Jesus with all of your heart, and you've given your life for the gospel. You need somebody in your life that you can pour what you know into. So that when you die, it doesn't die with you. I'm reminded of a natural example right here in Clearwater. When I moved here 20 some years ago, my favorite pizza restaurant. I won't call his name because somebody here might be related to him. But there was an amazing Italian man who made the best pizza in town. And I heard him talk to people. He wouldn't let anyone else know his recipe. He had a waitress or two. But he had, I almost said his name, he had to be there in order to make the pizza and make sure that they got that recipe. I used to sit at that little counter in the plaza and think, if, oh, I almost said his name again. If so-and-so would just teach someone else how to make the pizzas, we could franchise this thing and we could have the best pizza restaurants all over town. That man worked himself into an oblivion, had a heart attack, and years later I saw him at the public supermarket working in the meat department. He gave up the stress because he was not able to handle it all by himself. Why are you trying to carry the gospel all by yourself and do kingdom business like God is not going to use anyone else in the kingdom? If I get off track, God will raise somebody else up and they'll be steady preaching. If one of you get off track, as much as we love you, God will raise someone else up. In fact, he's got men up under a bridge somewhere that can out-preach you and I. He's got people that can out-sing all of us. All he has to do is just pull them out of their situation and begin to work in their life. So that is why I say you must humbly submit to God and say, God, use me as I am. And I pray that what you put in me, I would never forget and I would not let go. When Paul is writing to Timothy, he is writing from prison. I know that because the 8th verse says that he told Timothy be not thou ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. He said, Timothy, I don't want you to be ashamed of what I've taught you. 
I want you to understand that when I gave it to you, that there was a, there was a, 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 a responsibility that comes with carrying this gospel. I'd like to say that when you get the Holy Ghost, everything's going to be peaches. That you're never going to have a flat tire and you're never going to have to put gas in your car again and you won't have to pay the electric bill, but you'll have all of those things happen because we live in this life. And that is what is common to man. But when you get the Holy Ghost... There is an impartation of God's spirit that is placed in you. It is in fact a preview of a coming attraction. God places a little bit of himself in you so that what he is doing in you, that when you face tribulation and you go through testing and trial, you don't have to go through it alone and you don't have to go through it by yourself. For he has promised that I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I'll be with you always, even to the end of the earth. I don't have time to preach through. I could take time, but I want to be mindful of what God is doing in this moment. When I look at 1 Corinthians 15, 1 through 4, Paul very clearly articulated the gospel to be the death, the burial, and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. When I read Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6, that he challenged the, Galatian, the church at Galatia, that he was marveled that they were so soon removed from him that called them into the grace of Christ to another gospel which he said is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we are an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel to you than that which we have preached unto you. Let him be accursed. As we have said, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel than what you have received, let him be accursed. I told you that Paul was a hard hitter. He set things in order in the church. He told them there was just one gospel. And if anybody comes preaching anything else, that includes Pastor Ballestero. If they preach a gospel other than the gospel that you first got, then let him be accursed. As much as you love me, you don't have to hate on me. But you got to follow Jesus because Jesus is more important than any other relationship in my life. The old saints used to say, though none go with me, still I will follow. And then I like to look at the book of Ephesians. For when Paul was writing to young Timothy, who would pastor the church at Ephesus, it was all undergird by the Holy Ghost. And here's what he said in the book of Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13, that when Paul is writing the letter to the church at Ephesus. He said, In whom ye also trusted, that after you heard the word of truth, the gospel, the good news of your salvation, in whom also after you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption of the purchased possession, under the praise of his glory. I began to meditate on this passage. Paul was telling the church at Ephesus 
that when you received the gospel, when you heard it, you received the spirit, the Holy Spirit of promise. And when you received it, it sealed you until the day of redemption, that it was a down payment. It was just an impartation, a deposit, a guarantee that in that day, I'm going to come back for you. Do you know that when you receive the Holy Spirit, when you receive the Holy Ghost, it's God's deposit in you until the day in which he comes and redeems you out of this earth? You know the amazing part about verse 13, as I studied it, many of the commentators said they truly believe that the 13th verse in Ephesians 1.13 is actually connected to Acts 19. So I got to go back and read Acts 19 because when, when uh, the Bible said when it came to pass that when Paul had passed through the upper coast, he came to Ephesus and finding certain disciples, he said unto them, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said unto him, we have not so much as heard whether there be any Holy Ghost. And he said unto them, what then were you baptized? And they said, unto John's baptism. Then said Paul, John verily baptized with the baptism of repentance, saying unto the people that they should believe on him which should come after him, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when Paul had laid his hands upon them, the Holy Ghost came on them and they spake with tongues and prophesied and all the men were about 12. He said, when I got to Ephesus, there was a group of men, they were believers, but they had not yet received the Holy Ghost. I believe you need to know that when you believe, it doesn't mean that you've received the Holy Ghost. When you believe as the scripture hath said, then we understand that it sets you up John 7. It sets you up Acts chapter 19 to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And Paul laid his hands on those 12 men. And when he did, those who were believers were filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And he baptized them in the only saving name, the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, for the remission of their sins. And you might be here today and you'll say, I'm a believer. I've been to church my whole life. I respect what God's done in your life. But i got to be bold enough to confront even bad theology and to confront you enough to know that if somebody told you that tongues was not for today or that baptism was not essential or a part of the born-again experience, then I've got to tell you the devil is a lie, that you cannot pervert the Word of God and do it another way. There's not another gospel. There's only one gospel. There's only one kingdom. There's only one truth. There's only one way. And if you think I'm backing up on that, you've got another thing coming. I made a covenant that I'm going to preach the name of Jesus. I'm going to preach it with power and with authority. I'm going to preach it till devils come up out of people. I'm going to preach it till strongholds are broken. I'm going to preach it till your family comes out of darkness. Until you are saved by the power of the Holy Ghost. Get on your feet and clap your hands to the Lord. Come on, give him a praise.
Hallelujah. And so Paul, as he's talking to Timothy, keeps using this word remembrance. Verse 3, he said, without ceasing, I have remembrance of thee in my prayers day and night. It's like I'm in prison, Timothy, but I can't stop praying for you. I don't let my shackles stop me from praying for you. Do you know prayer can go where you can't go? Some of you say, well, I'd love to be a missionary to India. You may never get the chance to step on the soil of India, but you could pray for India every day of your life. I was honored to preach the gospel in Tanzania and teach pastors in that country. I don't know if I'll ever step on the soil of the continent of Africa again, but I can pray for Africa every day of my life. And you might be in prison today. You might be locked away somewhere thinking, I can't do what I want to do. Why don't you start with prayer? Why don't you just start praying the kingdom into every home in Clearwater, every home in Tampa Bay? Why don't you start praying the name of Jesus over your family? Why don't you start praying for our nation? You spent too much time criticizing and getting wrapped up in politics. Why don't you pray that God would lead our leaders to truth and that God would help them to serve righteously and justly? And he said, I keep, Timothy, you keep coming back to my remembrance. He said, greatly desire to see thee, being mindful of thy tears. I want to see you so I can be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith, the genuine faith that is in you, which dealt first in your grandmother and secondly in your mother, he said, and I am persuaded that that faith is so deep that it's generational from grandma to mother to you. What many of you don't know in the writing of this is that Timothy's father was a Greek man and his mother was a Hebrew. And the Hebrews took offense to a mixed marriage. And so many of them considered the Gentiles or the Greeks to be dogs. And they didn't want to hear from them because of their genealogy. Isn't it just like God to use someone that you think is unqualified to bring the truth of the gospel to you? I don't care who it is. I could listen to a man or a woman from any continent of the world if they're preaching the truth of the gospel. I don't, they don't have to know me and I don't have to know them because the one thing we know is that the word of God is like a sword and it pierces through the darkness of this world. And so sometimes I say, God, preach to me. Speak to me like you did that lady who didn't even know if I was in the service because God wants to speak through who he wants to speak through. And they don't have to be qualified like you think they're qualified. You might have been raised around prejudice. And I don't care which direction the prejudice go. You might have been raised around it. But when it comes to the gospel, there's not male or female, tongue, tribe, or nation. I hope you don't just see a young Spanish, Greek, white man standing up here preaching. I hope you just hear the gospel of Jesus. I pray you feel the love of God coming from my voice. I fear God too much to do anything to hurt you. I know the hand of God is on your life in such a way 
that I've got to love you into the kingdom and preach the gospel. It may sound like sometimes that I'm hollering and I got dark circles under my eyes. Well, that's not because I'm mad at anybody. It's just something in my Mediterranean heritage that gives me and, and lack of sleep that gives me but I can tell you this without a doubt that like Paul told Timothy he said son you're intimidated you're intimidated because of your age and he writes don't let any man despise your youth you're young and you just think because somebody's older don't let them despise your youth in fact, don't let anyone despise your age. You might be old and think God's through with you. But be surprised to find out that God may just be getting started with you. My father pastored for 28 years the church I was raised in, Dr. Benson. He felt God leading him to resign at 55 years old. He said, I thought my ministry would diminish. He said, son, I'm more busy now this is 20 years later. He is right now, he's somewhere in the state of Washington preaching a revival. Because see, God's not limited by your age. He's not limited by your heritage. He's not limited by your background. Paul said, don't let any man despise your youth, Timothy. Because I'm persuaded in you is an unfeigned, genuine faith because of some, the sincere heart that you possess. And he said, while I remembered you in the cell, and while I remembered you in your situation, he said, I want to remind you of something. I want to remind you to stir up the gift of God that is in you by the putting on of my hands. I lay hands on those in Acts chapter 19, and they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Timothy, you got it like they got it. When you were ordained into the ministry, the presbytery, the elders, laid hands on you. It was done in my life that years after I received the Holy Ghost, elders laid hands on me and ordained me into the ministry. But he said, we imparted a spiritual gift into your life. Do you know that everything ought to flow out of the Holy Ghost in your life? You'll say, where do I start? I want to be using the gifts of the Spirit. Well, it starts by you getting the Holy Ghost. When you receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, the Bible says in Corinthians that all of the spiritual gifts come out of the one and self-same Spirit, the Holy Ghost. When you get the Holy Ghost, I'm not talking about someone teaching you how to speak in tongues. We got a bunch of, I can't give it to you. God gives it to those that ask Him for it. I'm not going to shake your jaw and make you feel. No, when you get the Holy Ghost, you're going to know you got the Holy You're not, you're not going to have to ask me, did I get it? No, you're going to know. He's going to do something on the inside of you that is like a river. He said, Timothy, you got the Holy Ghost. We laid hands on you. We laid hands on you and ordained you into the ministry. But you dealt with people that thought you were too young. You dealt with people that didn't like the fact that your daddy was a Greek man and your mama was a Hebrew. You've dealt with the fact that you felt inferior. He said, but God, and I'm giving, this is a word for somebody here, has not given us, 
He's not given you the spirit of fear. That word fear is timidity. That means God has not allowed you to be intimidated. He didn't give you a spirit to be intimidated by no one. But what he gave you was power, dunamis, the ability to work miracles. Love, agape, the fact that when God's love gets in you, you can even love people that you would have had nothing to do with before you came to the kingdom. And a sound mind, a mind that thinks right. My mama told me a story of a little lady that walked, when she was retired, she walked into my grandfather's office in Albion, Michigan, and said, Brother Starr, now that I'm retired, I'm not going to do this anymore, and I'm not going to do that anymore. And, I'm, and he, said, uh, he said, let me just remind you that it's God that keeps your thoughts together. He said, it, he said God could do something in your mind like that, and you would be out in the street directing traffic. He challenged her, but she just resisted because she decided, no, I'm just not going to do these things anymore when it comes to the kingdom. I've spent my whole life doing them. My mom said, uh, a few days later, somebody came in the house and said, I forget if her name was Mick. I don't want to mispronounce her name. Whatever her name was, I can find it from my mama. They came in the house and said, she's out in the street. They lived in a little tiny town. She's directing traffic. And said that lady went from being a well-respected mother in the church to somebody that had lost her mind because Reverend Starr said, you know, God can reach into your mind and just turn something in your mind. And you'll be out, not, he said, you won't even know your name. You'll be out directing traffic. He said it happened in a couple of days. I'm not speaking that to anybody's life. I'm just saying it's God who keeps my mind. It's God who helps me how to love. It's God that gives me the power to work miracles. I couldn't shake it. I felt like I was supposed to speak this to somebody. Do not be intimidated by any person or any spirit. For God has not given you, let me see your hand, the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. Raise your other hand up to heaven right now. I want you to ask God to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Would you just ask him to fill you right where you're sitting? Will you ask him to fill you with the Spirit of God? If you've already received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, like Timothy, just say, God, I want to stir the gift up and be renewed. If you're here today and you've never received the gift of the Holy Ghost, when you repent of your sins, you can receive it in just a moment. These musicians will play as you pray. If the Holy Ghost leads you to step out of the aisle where you're at and come down to this front, we're going to create a prayer room. It's going to be a Pentecostal prayer room today. This is Pentecost Sunday. You can get the Holy Ghost in your seat. You can get the Holy Ghost on your knees. You can get the Holy Ghost standing. It don't matter where you're at. You can receive the baptism of your, His Spirit. But somebody needs to say, Lord, I repent today of everything in me that's not right with you. Wash me in your blood today. Cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Let the truth of your word come in. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. I'm a believer, Lord, but I've never received the Holy Spirit. Fill me with the Holy Ghost just like they did in the book of Acts. I'm filled with the Holy Ghost, but Lord, let the gift of God be imparted into my life.
Hallelujah. I want to push on this a little more. I, I think there's some people here today that would like to pray. Would you get the hold of your neighbor's hand if you don't feel comfortable coming by yourself and say, would you go with me and just pray? If you would like to come, come and stand all across this front. Come and stand all across this front and we'll pray with you today. God bless you. God bless you. Hallelujah. I wonder if I have any Holy Ghost filled believers in the house. They say, Lord, renew me with your spirit. Renew me with your power. Fill me with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. Is there one today? You need the Lord today. I need the Lord more than anything. I've allowed the enemy to intimidate me. But God has not given me the spirit of fear. Remember what you have. Is there anyone else today that would come and pray? to the Lord and just ask God to refresh you, renew you in his spirit. Hallelujah. Lord Jesus, I pray for an outpouring of your spirit upon this congregation. Would you fill us with the power of the Holy Ghost? Renew us as a church. That in us, God, there would be an impartation of your spirit. Now we have several that are here praying today. Could I get some prayer warriors to just come in behind these that are praying? If you're on our ministry team, our prayer team, and just help us pray for those that desire a fresh touch from God today. 